Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Darby Toth, a technical field services representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services Rep with Western United Dairies. Welcome to week 27. Yep, rolling right into week 27 and fully getting into October at this point. I know, Darby, we know last week we talked about October 1st and I kind of joked that everything was Halloween all of a sudden, but what I noticed is that the day the calendar turned to October 1st, it seems like fall showed up here in Humboldt County. Um, we've been having those chilly nights and lots of fog. Today we have the sun, but um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit rainy this weekend. I'm excited for that and I'm just glad it's fall. I, I like to stretch out summer as long as possible, but I, it's nice to know we're moving into a little bit quieter season in some cases and in my case a little bit busier but uh, yeah it's starting to get a little bit cooler here we're gonna hit the 90s again after this weekend but our forecast today is 78 we are actually seeing some blue skies and not as much smoke so I'm feeling pretty content I was gonna say that sounds just perfect for the weekend and yeah it's good to see the smoke is clearing out and hopefully all the rain will help with that uh I think a little bit of rain throughout different parts of the state so Hopefully we can move into just a little bit calmer season of 2020. Exactly. Well, we have a fun episode today. We have Annie giving us the market update. We also have an office update with Anya, who's discussing some changes that are happening at Western. And then Melissa and I got to sit down and interview Rich Salachi. And he is a fourth generation dairyman, but he is now a professor. If you want to use that term, he would use it a little loosely. He's a professor at Cal Poly in the animal science department. Yeah, that was a great transition. I mean, we cover a lot of different things on the podcast and some have been fun, but lately it seems like we've had some heavy topics and we talked about some serious stuff with Rich, but I really enjoy just getting to have a little bit of a lighthearted conversation and reminisce a little bit about my days at Cal Poly. So really glad to have Rich on today and really excited for this episode. Yeah, that being said, let's jump right in with Annie's market update. Well, thank you, Darby and Melissa. It was a busy week. It was a big week. We had a super informative dairy revenue protection program um, webinar with Tiffany LaMandola. She went over the program, how it works, and the opportunities for California dairy families. And one of the things that she noted is really is not uh, compared to other government programs, it's not size specific. So it's something that a lot of families in California have taken advantage of. And even according to her data, uh, a third of the mill volume in, in California uh, was signed up for dairy RP. So it sounds like there's uh, been increasing participation. If you have more questions on that, if you missed a webinar, um, you can find it on WUD's website. Um, you can also um, email Tiffany directly at tlamendola at blimling.com. So T-L-A-M-E-N-D-O-L-A at blimling. So that's B-L-I-M-L-I-N-G.com. And you'll hear more for Tiffany here in a few weeks as Blimling um, will be taking over a lot of the market update issues. Uh, well, it's not really issues. Sometimes it is, but uh, the market segments that um, what offers to its members. So stay tuned for that in a few weeks. Um, I mentioned it was a big week. Dairy commodities did really well this week, actually. 
and all of them were going up. And so we haven't seen that in a while. Um, the biggest jump, once again, was from block cheese. We had a gain of 19 cents last week. This week, we managed to top that with a gain of 20 cents. The price is now at 236.29 per pound. And if that wasn't a pleasant surprise enough to look at, CME prices continue to go up also. And so the block price settled at uh, 2.65 per pound on Wednesday, which is higher than the um, USDA price that we have, which means that we still have a little bit of room to go up here on USDA prices. So that's good news. And even barrels, They've been trailing behind. We're looking at USDA prices on $1.72 a pound. Well, barrel prices, the CME finally woke up and they're kind of catching on the excitement. So the price settled at $2 a pound, which was up 20 cents from a week ago. So stay tuned for more increases on USDA barrel prices also. If we look at butter, it managed a second weekly increase. We gained six and a half cents this week to about $1.58 per pound running up. So this increasing trend, unfortunately, um, might not be long-lived because the CME spot butter really continues to, to be very average. So the, the price dropped to $1.45 on uh, Wednesday of this week, down to $1.40, well, $1.39.50 yesterday. So we're seeing um, definitely a bit of a decline there on the, the butter market. That um, So that softness that we're seeing unfortunately will prevent further USDA price increase likely in the next few weeks. If we look outside of a border, there's not uh, too much more enthusiasm, but it's a little bit better. So the latest global dairy trade auction and average butter price of $1.62. So close to in line, although a little bit uh, better. Looking at USDA's non-fat dry milk price, it keeps on trucking. And so we like this slowly but surely uphill climb. We made it above the dollar threshold here recently, and we went up again, silver penny, so we're dollar three per pound. Um, CME prices took a little step back. They dropped a penny, but we're still looking at a price that's a little bit higher, which bodes well for the USDA price. And so uh, we're looking at about dollar twelve a pound for CME prices currently. And looking at the GDT, it went up, um, you know, similar CME, took a penny back, but at $1.30, it stands above the U.S. price. So this is really good news for a commodity that is really, uh, that relies heavily on export. And so if we look at U.S. powder exports in August, they were up 35% from a year ago. Um, so that's a pretty good volume. And in particular, they represented 74% of the volume produced in the U.S., this compares to 54% for the same period a year ago. And so higher volumes of powder moving to export markets, um, which is, is good for this commodity, is good news. And while I'm in the export um, data, USDA Export Council uh, estimates that uh, USDA exports represented 16.4% of total U.S. production in August. So that was up from 14.3% at the same time last year. So this concludes my market update for this week. I'm glad we had some good news and I'll pass it back to Darby and Melissa and we'll talk next week. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com safety. Thanks so much, Annie, for that stirring market update. We're sure going to miss you after next week, but we're so excited for your transition. 
And we're going to hear a little bit more about that as we uh, move right into Anya's update on the Western United office and all of the fun changes happening. I'm here with Western United Dairy CEO Anya Radaba, and thanks for taking some time to be on the podcast today, Anya. My pleasure. We are here to talk about a few kind of changes that are happening at WUD and are hoping you could just give us some updates about what's going on at Western. Absolutely. So I think that change is uh, something that drives me every morning that I wake up. And as I was hired um, to Western, the board has consistently uh, dictated that they want constant change and they want it fast. Um, of notes we are we've downsized our office we had a fantastic offer to lease the building by a special needs school next door and so it seemed a really secure deal um and so we've decided to move to a smaller office in turlock our new address will be 1145 gear suite d so you are welcome to stop by there and see staff anytime uh that works for you but uh at the moment the office is leased out and will be so for the next years. The board will continually decide whether or not that makes the most sense in order to leverage um, the member asset as much as possible. And that's, uh, I think, something that they take really seriously. The the building uh, was bought and paid for by Western United's members some years ago, and uh, it's a it's a valuable piece of our portfolio. But uh, now we we get to downsize and actually make some income off the space. So it was it was a hard move. Um, I can't tell you how many uh, old dairy pricing formula books that I went through from the fifties and sixties. <laughs> a lot of information that we did catalog into our scanned library. Um, but uh, really, really interesting historical question. as the dairy industry decided to go into milk pooling, uh, you know, we were able to kind of come across that information as we moved out of the office. That's exciting. There's a lot of interesting history, and I'm sure you uncovered quite a bit of it as you <laughs> sorted through all of our stuff. It was incredible. The, the, the work that the dairymen of California have done uh, not just to, I think, be relevant and to protect the integrity of the pool at the time, but um, Western went through a lot of changes as well in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, I uncovered an old insurance program that uh, apparently most dairymen in California utilized that Western housed. Um, I also uncovered a lot of merger documents. Uh, we've I, This is all probably old information to some of you listening, but for me, it was, it was kind of a trip badgery, but uh, we were able to preserve all that. And uh, yeah, but in the meantime, uh, we will look forward to, to seeing anyone that ever wants to stop by and, uh, but make some money in the, in the meantime. Yeah. I haven't been up that way yet. So I'm excited to stop by the new office and say hi to Paul and Rochelle. <laughs> Virtual work is what it is. Uh, the other training or the other uh, major change that we're, we're undergoing, um, and, and I did announce this in the update, um, but our longtime esteemed dairy economist, uh, Annie Akmudi, is moving uh, across the border. She is uh, going to be working for Dairy Farmers of Canada in a new capacity, both as economist and as sustainability director. So this was a role that um, I certainly couldn't compete with, and I'm very happy for her. It's definitely uh, a move on to greener pastures, but that has left uh, and will leave a hole uh, in Western. And so we are bringing back or on, depending on your point of view, a gal named Tiffany Lavandola, 
She was actually Annie before Annie. And Tiffany works for a firm named Blimling. And she's, in addition to doing weekly market updates for both our written update and this podcast, you'll hear a lot more from Tiffany uh, beginning week after next. Uh, she's also going to be steering and guiding our members into a new space of member service uh, with the Dairy Revenue Protection Program, DRP. Uh, this is a space that we've been trying to get into uh, since the federal order kind of came into effect in 2018. Uh, the market got pretty saturated fast, and I think that um, this is, particularly given 2020's volatility, a really exciting new member service that we're going to be able to offer. And I'm so pleased to be working with Tiffany. She definitely has some personal knowledge of the dairy industry, uh, both the past, the California system, and now the, the present, um, the FMMO. So it's, it's our pleasure to bring that on and to keep changing up our services. Yeah, I know we're uh, yet- sad to see Annie go, but I'm really excited about, about you know, the new things that are happening with Blimling and all of that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta stay hungry, and I think that change keeps us all hungry. Um, you know, it it's definitely sad with Annie. It, it was it was kind of a struggle when she made the announcement to me, um, but uh, I'm I'm definitely excited for her and her family, uh, and uh, and excited for us. So it's 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 a step in, in the right direction. And then what has also been building a new suite of labor-related services for our members, I think that one of the areas that we see a lot of challenges, uh, particularly in the area of human resources, is uh, labor law compliance. Uh, Wage and hour law compliance seems to be a a particular soft spot for for a lot of folks still. Uh, We offer a lot of advice on that already. We also offer a, a free hour included in your membership of legal consultation. But we're now building into a much broader labor service that will include legal services, unlimited legal services. Uh, We're launching a new program called Western United Human Resource Services that will include all phases of labor law compliance, uh, including OSHA and injury illness prevention plans, uh, workers' compensation and disability discrimination prevention. Um, And in the spirit of kind of insurance incentivized legal protection we're trying to lower the probability of litigation on our members dairies by assisting them with full compliance so hopefully in the next week or so we will have um, all of our marketing material out to our members that gives them some more information about the program Uh, in the meantime uh, definitely contact darby or melinda if you have specific questions but we're really excited to change the focus and add a lot more member services throughout the end of 2020 and going into 2021. Uh, we're, we're excited to kind of pair this with our existing Lecheros Unidos program where we do pair uh, dairies that are seeking em- uh, employees with good matches on their dairies. Yep, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm excited to start jumping into it with some of our members. And again, like Anya said, if you have any questions about any of that, you can give Melissa and I a call or send us an email. And thanks again for being on today, Anya. We really appreciate you driving some change and helping us embrace change at Western. My pleasure. Well, thanks again, Anya, for taking the time to sit down and discuss some of our transitions and changes. And now another transition, we are going to transition into our interview with Rich Salachi. 
Well, we're here with Rich Salachi from Cal Poly, and Melissa and I have both had the pleasure of knowing Rich for quite a while now, and so we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here. Oh, thanks, Darby. Pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, pleasure to, to be on the podcast. Yeah, so I think Melissa and I and you have kind of bounced back and forth about what we want to get started talking about, and I think it would be kind of interesting to start us off if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background and how you got where you are. Sure, I had since uh, since Melissa's on the call now. I have first. I have to say that you know Darby texted me yesterday, Melissa. Yeah. And, and so I I called her and I go, "You want me to be on the podcast this week?" And she <laughs> says, "Yes." I go, Darby, it's Thursday. <laughs> yeah. She goes, "Well, we couldn't get anybody else to do it." Well, thanks, Darby. I'm glad I'm on your C list. <laughs> we hey, there's are no minute like the last minute. Okay, we're really good about waiting till Thursday lately. Um, and we are both kind of balancing some new responsibilities. And I dawned on me yesterday morning, like, oh crap, we don't have anything for the podcast yet. But we wanted to talk with you, Rich, because we knew it would be a little bit more lighthearted than some of the topics we've had recently. And you're just fun, and we we have been meaning to get in touch with you. So sorry for waiting till the last minute. No, Blame me. <laughs> I'm giving Darby a bad time, and thanks. I, I appreciate the kind words, and it's a it's a pleasure to to be on. But um, yeah, I'm a formerly a fourth generation dairy farmer from Petaluma. For those of you that uh, that don't know me, and family was up in Petaluma. Started the dairy in about 1913, and um, I. I'm a Cal Poly graduate, graduated school in the mid nineties and got to work in the industry a little bit. I had, I was pretty blessed. I had pretty, very supportive parents. So when I got done with college and my, my parents both said, you know, the dairy is going to be here. You can go do something else for a few years and, and learn some other things. Cause I'm sure you didn't, they knew what my college life was like. And they both thought you probably didn't learn much in college. So you better go out <laughs> in the real world before you come back here. So, um, Worked a few jobs for uh, a few years and a lot in sales, which I was terrible at, terrible salesman, but a great education. And I kind of recommend that to some of the students that are coming out of school. It's tough, but what a, I got a great education dealing with you know, different farmers up and down the state. And then went back into business with my mom and dad in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, uh, until got an opportunity to come to work at Cal Poly, which was a very difficult decision to, to kind of leave the family farm. But um, there's there was a whole bunch of things that all kind of happened at once and stars aligned. And so I've been at Cal Poly since 2007, where Melissa happened to be a student at the time. And uh, that's probably been one, well, it has been the greatest thing in having this job is being able to meet so many people that come through the program. and. So that's, that's kind of the story, a lot of, a lot of details in there, but that's, that's where I'm at now. Well, now that you gave away how long I've been out of Cal Poly. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, No, yeah, we, I, I think Rich, just to kind of cover one more base, you were, uh, you started out as the herd manager at Cal Poly and now you're a professor, you're teaching classes and it's been kind of a different year for that. Did you want to maybe go into a little bit about how that your position maybe has evolved over time and especially this last eight months? Yeah, that was originally I was uh, hired to manage the dairy, but this is always kind of where I wanted to get to. And that's what when 
it really kind of flipped the coin for me, I guess, when we were, I was deciding on, do, do I want to leave home and leave this business and go down to San Luis Obispo? And that was part of the thing that intrigued me was the opportunity to, to do teaching. I thought I kind of liked that and might be pretty good at it. And so started managing the herd. And then all of the professors that were my professors in the 90s, they were all still here when I started as the herd manager in 2007. So that was a, that was kind of a blessing. I got to work with all those people that were mentors. And then a couple of them started retiring as time went on. And I kind of got, uh, I went back to school. I was down here and, and got a degree in education. So I, and I'm so glad I did that because it, I, I knew a lot about the dairy industry, but being able to learn how to teach people was very important. So that all kind of fell in the line and I ended up picking up a few of the classes as some of uh, the other professors retired. So the word professor might be a little strong for me. I'm not, I never got a PhD and I could never do that. So I don't uh, I mean, you need to be some, fair to some of my colleagues that have PhDs, but I'm really a, a dairyman with a teaching degree. So, uh, and that's, that's worked out really well. So we're, that's where I wanted to get. And that's what, that's what I've been doing for since about 2012. Um, and since then we've had some other herd managers that have come in to help manage the dairy. And just, just recently, just over a year ago, we hired a full-time dairy operations manager. So he's running the, the dairy farm and he's overseeing the creamery also. And uh, his name's Craig Russell. He's a, a dairy farmer from Vermont. And Craig's been doing a fantastic job. The dairy at Cal Poly's actually had a really, really good year. Um, he's gotten a lot, really solid financial background, which is kind of what we needed for both those positions. And he's, he's doing an excellent job. So that's been a huge help. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exciting to hear. I know when I was down there, it, there was a little bit of transition. And when you came on board, Rich, it was kind of nice. There was some stability in the position of herd manager, but I know it's always been hard to kind of balance the dairy and the creamery and the different operations that go on. So it's, it sounds like a great um, opportunity with having one person overseeing the operations and finances of both. It kind of brings a little more connection. Yeah, he's got some really good tools. So that's the uh, you know the hardest part for me when I took that job, I left my own business and working with family, and came down here and went to work in a state-run and controlled <laughs> environment. And so the business um, aspect of that dairy was a real difficult learning curve for me. And that's one thing that. Uh, Craig is, has this financial background, so he can really speak the language with the, the state and the corporate financial auditors and all the things that we have to run that little business through. So, um, so that's, been a, that's been really, really helpful. Um, that was one of the challenges. The other was dealing with all those students, Melissa. <laughs> well, I was guys, one of them, so. You guys broke that personally. I went from managing a couple people to 25 students. That was, that was a transition. Yeah. But, uh, I, well, and I think you've shared before, Rich, that you went from, you know, four employees, including yourself and your dad on your home dairy to 25 students and you were working more hours. So I believe that um, I was one of those students that was probably calling all the time to get my shifts changed and rearrange things. 
Yeah, I, was, I didn't need a dairy degree when I took that job. I needed a psychology degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true of a lot of jobs. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I, I yeah, I kind of joke sometimes. I love my dairymen and I'm excited. Darby and I are going to get to announce today that we're going to be back out in the field. But um, I always joke that I should drive around with a couch in the back of my truck so they can lay down and, and talk. <laughs> it's it's Gosh, a hard I, job. I hope, I hope that happens pretty soon. You guys can get back out in the field and yeah. back. Uh, that's, that's one thing I hope happens here soon for, for all of us. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. 20, uh, 2020, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it seems like at this point. And I don't think January 1st is a magic number, but I do think we're moving towards some positive stuff, hopefully. So I'm speaking well, it into existence, if nothing else. <laughs> Good. Well, Rich, um, I guess one of the big questions um, I kind of wanted to cover with you, and, and maybe we can kind of evolve this question into something that makes a little more sense, but just um, as far as an industry, what we can do, and as an industry support group, what Western can do to support the students at Cal Poly that are getting dairy science degrees, and really what, um, as an educator in dairy science, what you would say to parents, because I talk to a lot of dairy producers who tell me that they're not encouraging their kids to get back into the industry or to go and study dairy science or ag business or something like that, but to look for other opportunities, and, and that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. I have a lot of dairy producers that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s and they're not um, encouraging of kids to come back to the farm and what can the industry do to help wow. that situation and then you know taking that a step further help encourage the students that are in your program wow that's a that's a loaded question it is <laughs> um, I, and you know i i get that a lot um similar question also that's i'm in the age group now where a lot of the a lot of my friends that I went to college with, our kids are all college age. So that's a conversation I've had with plenty of them is, how are you gonna, my, my child comes to Cal Poly and studies dairy science, how are you even gonna get them in, encouraged to come back to this business with so many, so many battles that we fight on so many fronts? And that's, that's a pretty good question. I think um, the way we're teaching now I think is a lot different than when we went to school and trying to teach well the bottom line is hopefully there's this younger generation that has a lot different perspective and different um, thinking when they come out of college to go after well these challenges that we have that's like one of the I guess I don't want to use the word um, depressing, maybe frustrating thing is, well, I'd rather have my, my kids go in to do something else instead of coming home. We're going to need those really sharp minds to go back into our industry. That's just the only, that's the, the reality of it. Because without that, I'm not sure where we're going to wind up. So being, and I think the most important, you asked the most important thing for industry to do, and I would, my answer is always, open your 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 doors and your stories to the young people so we can see what you're dealing with and that's kind of hard for me i think i had mentioned before i'm i kind of work in my own little bubble i haven't been on the front lines and been in the business now for 14 years all i can do is learn from other people so the big 
industry hurdles that we're dealing with, hearing everybody's frontline stories like the podcast that you had um, last week with what's happening with the Curdies. And having students with young, bright minds that have a lot more energy than all of us older people and how they're going to have to deal with those kinds of things and educating them with what's really going on. And that's in a, in a college curriculum like we have, a lot of that real life stuff is missing. And so through a couple of these programs, like so many of the dairy farmers have heard of the dairy challenge program that we have. That's by far the, our greatest avenue to get them out to learn what's really happening. Not just managing a dairy and managing a farm is one thing, but dealing with all the political pressures and all the labor issues and all the other things that we have to deal with, that has been a really nice tool to get them exposed to that. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded kind of bounced around your question a little bit, Melissa. Um, no, no, I think that was a good answer. Us and, and Fresno and Chico and, and even Davis, um, we're actually trying all of our universities. Uh, I've talked to a lot of the different instructors about trying to do a, a real collaborative dairy challenge thing going on. And because mm -hmm. our, our dairy education in the state for, for all of us, I think, you know, we used to have such a battle with Fresno when I was growing up and going to college and now it's really working with those other dairy related universities to increase dairy education in California because there's not too much of us left and um, yeah again I'm getting off on kind of a crazy tangent but no I agree I always, joke that. I always joke that if I had known what was out here I would have either uh, minored in political science or in <laughs> some form of HR and labor law, because that's just such a huge part of the industry. I think that is hard to explain, like you said, in a, in a traditional classroom curriculum, but exists and impacts our producers so heavily every single day. You know, what, what I really like to see with dairy education in our state, um, in the, the four-year university system, us and Fresno and Davis, I have a, there's a list of dairymen that are, I have on a, on a sheet of people that need herdsmen or have herd managers or looking for somebody to really help come in and that are ready to go and manage dairy cows. And the handful of really elite students that we have at Cal Poly, I mean, all of those kids have jobs before they graduate. And so there's a very small number of them and then the ones that are really set up to go manage a herd, most of them have their own families to go back to. Yeah. So the ones that are looking for those jobs, there's just a very small number of, of students here in San Luis. And, you know, and Fresno has kind of the same, all these four-year universities, that population is kind of small. And so I'd really love to see something kind of what Cal Poly used to have when I was here was the two-year tech program where we're we had some kind of an intense dairy education program that could really get people not just education and managing cows, but managing dairy business, which I think is something that we could really improve on with uh, younger people coming out of, of high school. The junior colleges do the best they can. They just don't have those kind of resources yeah. that 
the four-year colleges have, but the four-year colleges aren't set up to cater to that group of students, if that makes sense. And so I think we're missing that in between in dairy education in this state. I always wonder too, as I guess, and it's odd to say, especially to your professor, as an industry professional, you know, what we could be doing to to better show students different aspects of, of our jobs or open up their eyes maybe to things that they didn't really know existed within their, their set curriculum of dairy science. I think some of my biggest learning curves and biggest lessons that I've learned have been from people in the industry that have taken the time to teach me or let me intern with them or just to sit and talk and really discover what it's like to do their job every single day. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why I mentioned my, my biggest business education came out of a few years in a sales job. Mm -hmm. And so many uh, good dairy farmers, especially up my hometown in Petaluma, and a lot of uh, people that I did business with in the, uh, in the valley, that I'd walk into their office and they'd be like, well, Rich, let me show you how I, I deal with my feed inventory and how I, I manage shrink and how I, and I learned so much from these guys that had been in business. That was, that was an enormous education. So hopefully with what we're doing here, we're kind of setting students up to be aggressive enough to, to go into those kinds of jobs and internships and then start learning on their feet. Yeah, throwing that real life experience into it is is really the most, I think, valuable. I, I probably Dairy Challenge was one of my favorite classes at Cal Poly. I think Dr. Henderson is still mad because I had a little problem with my grades before the um, actual competition. <laughs> so I, but I took the class and just getting that on the ground um, experience, like you mentioned, and just learning about little issues that come up or, you know, what, you know, if you want to get a job in the Central Valley, what you would be up against as far as your water quality reporting or it, how that's different on the North Coast and, and what, you know, all the business management stuff that just, you're right, it just doesn't come organically in a classroom setting, but it comes from being boots on the ground and, and probably working at the dairy was really big at Cal Poly was a really big um, benefit for me. I grew up, um, my grandparents had a dairy. I worked with friends on their family dairies, but you just really don't get all of the little things that go into the business. And while I, you know, wasn't planning on being a herdsman or having a dairy when I got out of Cal Poly, it definitely helps me every day understanding what my producers are going through. And they know they can, you know, call and I have maybe a network resource somewhere in the Valley or in Washington or Wisconsin that I can connect them with if they're, for example, having issues with their calves or, you know, pest control or some other little weird thing that comes up in a business. Well, I just think I always, that's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to work for Dairyman and why I ended up in this job is because I don't think there is that many people on earth that, that balance so many different types of things every single day. And really when you step back and look at all the different aspects of the industry that especially producers handle, it's phenomenal what, what they balance and what they deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, just that critical, like, put the fire out skill that every dairyman has to learn and have um, just how to deal with, you know, what you wake up to in the morning. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We look at the, you look at all the curriculum or whatever it takes to, to, to teach people and think, well, you could, you could be a specialist and you could be a vet or a nutritionist or a specialist in genetics or a mechanic 
Or you could be a dairyman and do all of those. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, one. Um, so that's, yeah, and that's probably why you know I've spent my life in this industry. But um, I had a I had a point somewhere that I didn't make, and I think I, I lost it in my head. But um, it might come back to me. So. Well, I think you made a great point that like we need these young creative millennial and I guess now we're in Gen Z I'm, I can't keep up but these young minds need to come back to the industry and it's really hard to hear that from people like I have a dairy they have these awesome kids they're you know 12 13 and they're like actively encouraging them to do other things and they know how hard it is but they want them to go out and make those decisions before they decide to come back to the dairy and I think that's great but I also it's just a little sad that we don't want our kids necessarily to come back on the farm because we, you know, a lot of folks know, I mean, it's, it's hard. You don't get three weeks of paid vacation every year necessarily. And you don't get to take the holiday off and you work on the weekends every single weekend. And so I could see where they're coming from at the same time. Um, I'm worried about our industry over the next couple of decades and I don't want to be doom and gloom. I think there's a lot of positive things happening, but we, we all have to work together to keep that moving. Well, and that's all, you know, part of the being optimistic with what I do is seeing some of the people that have graduated in the last several years and knowing that, wow, that person is an incredibly open-minded, gets along with people and understands people. I really don't care what you know about cows <laughs> at the moment, but you understand and are listening to what's going on. And you just hope that they are going to be the kind of leaders in the industry that can stand in front of boards and politicians and be vocal. And, and you know, we need those people. And it's, it's unfortunate. I, I'm not that person. I would much rather just be at home on a tractor and keep to myself. But those kind of people that have the foresight and the courage to get up and and fight these battles on kind of a, a political level. And unfortunately, at the political level, it seems like just give me a smart guy with good common sense and let's go. And we <laughs> lack a few of those. You know, we, I should say we just don't have enough of those. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, that's, uh, was that too aggressive? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, I agree. The political world of, of dairy is it's and agriculture in general. It's just, it's huge own, own entity. And I agree with you. I think you can watch things that have unfolded in the industry, even within the last year and seeing, seeing the people that you're talking about that are willing to step up and have the sharp minds and have the capability to stand up for the industry is, is really encouraging. And you know, you want to be encouraged by those people and you want to also be encouraged by the fact that hopefully there are more of them, right, coming behind them that can continue to push the industry forward and drive it forward positively. And, and don't get me wrong on my last comment. We have some remarkable leaders in this industry yes. and that's why we're still here. My concern is who's going to be the next one. Yep. Yeah. And because there's there's bigger battles ahead. And, uh, you know, we've got some some really good people just in, in ag in general that are, are you know, trying to lead the way. So unfortunately we're a little outnumbered. And so the next generation, and 
it's kind of the immediate young generation is going to be really, really important. And so I guess if anything is you asked what people in our industry can do, it's to encourage those that really have the mind and the mindset to do this and just need to some, some starter help, I guess. Well, and that's why I'm here. Like people like me, I, you know, three generations of dairymen in my family, but it wasn't getting passed on to the fourth. So, you know, I, what was I going to do? I love the industry and I love the gut people in it. So a few people believed in, you know, encouraging that. And I think, you know, a lot of us are in that same boat. It's I listened to Connie Cooper from Connor AgriScience talk at an event. It was actually a dairy challenge. And she talked about how we can lead by serving. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just so struck by that. And it was such a impactful thing for her to say to this room of 50 young, you know, 50, a hundred young people that are, are looking to get into the dairy industry and to look and see where, where you can serve and where you you best fit. And it was, it was really inspiring. I was sitting there and I was like, this isn't even for me, but it was, it was, you know, so, so well said. And, um, just makes you really think about, about how you can serve and how you can make an impact. Well, Rich, we don't want to keep you on the hook too long. Cause I'm sure you have uh, a lot more you'd like to do on your Friday afternoon. But before we let you go, uh, we were promised some stories about working with students at the dairy and some of the trouble that they can get into, maybe not trouble, but the fun that they can have. <laughs> you were promised some stories? <laughs> I probably have the, a few stories. Yeah, but. I was going to say, I think we both might. I get asked that a lot. You know, I don't, uh, don't want to rat on any of the students that uh, it's, like I said, that's, I, I should have a psychology degree when I, <laughs> I came to work and, and managed a, uh, group of 19 to 21 year olds that are and the, you know that one of the things that always amazed me 19 to 20 year old students on the, and the dairy is totally student managed and it it operates just like any commercial dairy you're going to see across the country show up at 3 30 chore time 3 a.m 3 a.m and p.m 12 hours apart we farm ground and the number of students that miss work at 3 a.m. over the whole 14 years I've been here is very small. If kids come to work, I shouldn't use the word kids, but they come to work. They might not be in the greatest shape sometimes at 3.30 <laughs> in the morning, Melissa. But well, it's, it's really easy to convince <laughs> yourself when you're at the bars at 1.30 that you can go to work. <laughs> we probably shouldn't talk about that, but... No. The dedication that students have to that particular yeah. little dairy farm is has always been amazing. Um, and that's just been fun. I've always enjoyed that that part of it and yeah. working with students. Um, so stories. <laughs> Maybe know, those are just best left unsaid. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? My favorite story was. You know, you know, I'm I'm a pretty patient guy. I have a very long fuse, and uh, my probably my I, Melissa, this was uh, your generation because I had just taken the job, and my and of course we have cell phone to me at that time, 2000. I'm going to like 2007 when I first got down there, 
cell phone was pretty new to me. I don't, I don't even know if I had one when I was at home at the dairy prior to that. So cell phone, I was given a cell phone. You are now the new herd manager. And that thing rang 24 hours a day. I think I still have your phone number. Students that work. And I, I 3.30 in the morning, like clockwork, it would ring. And I said, my wife turns to me one night, she goes, what the hell kind of job did you get us into? <laughs> and so finally, I kind of got that all, everybody knew what they were doing and got that all at bay. And we'd go a few nights without a phone call. And uh, one morning at 3 a.m., I get a call. And uh, one of the uh, student employees, I answer the phone, 3 o'clock in the morning. And she says, count number 708 is dead. And I go, really? Are you sure? She said, yeah, oh yeah, she's dead. She's, she's cold. And I said, so is she still going to be dead in a few hours yeah. when I come to work? <laughs> or did you call me because I have the Lord's blessing to bring that thing back from the box? <laughs> this way. And as soon as that all came out of my mouth, I felt bad. But uh, yeah. she avoided me for a few days. But those, uh, yeah. <laughs> but oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, lots of good stories, um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty blessed to, to be able to do what I do. So, yeah, it's a pretty awesome job, and gosh, I don't think you could pick a better place on earth, maybe in just Humboldt County in God's country up here, to have a dairy, um, uh, except in January. We'll no bias say. in there, huh, Melissa? <laughs> no all. bias at all. No, I do think like really. I, working down there as a student and, and getting to attend Cal Poly, it's, it's a great place to be. It's a great community. And um, yeah, I just remember meeting so many cool people from out of state, in state that are still, you know, lifelong friends to this day or still network that I reach out to when I have a question or need to connect a producer with someone. And that's a really cool thing that you get to be a part of. You know, you asked at the very beginning what the, the industry could do for the program, and it probably goes without saying, but that that dairy in this program is not here without the alumni and yeah. and everybody that's has supported this program throughout the years. And since I've been here, it hit some rocky times. In 2009, this whole thing was almost down the road, and the uh, the industry saved it. And um, yeah, without the supporters that are out there and so many of my former classmates and, and dairy leaders that have been supported the program and supported me, and that's not a good chance on this podcast for me to say thank you because it's, it's still going, going strong as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, and as a student that stood on the picket line in 2009 when there was talk of selling our cows, I can say a big thank you to you, Rich, for being a big part of making sure that dairy is still there and still a valuable learning tool for our yeah that was dairy a, leaders. You know, that was a tragic you look back at that tragic yeah. time for the entire industry across the board yeah and we still had supporters step in and make that work and i've never forgot that yeah well, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. It's good to talk about something. I mean, we had a little COVID talk in there, but it's good to not have to talk about wildfires and depressing things yes. and just hear the good news about the industry. And I, just, and I, I have no desire to talk about what it's like teaching COVID online. I, yeah. I'm sure anybody who has a, has a child or a student, you know all about it. And I, I can tell you from a teaching standpoint, it's not any more fun. Oh. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we all get to go back to normal sooner. If there, you know, there'll be a different normal, but at least a little bit back to normal. So um, best wishes to you both. Great to talk to you, Melissa and Darby. And um, thank you very much for having me on. I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks again. And thanks next for time, being on. We won't be so scary next time, I promise. <laughs> there will be a next time, right? <laughs> More than a day of notice would be all right, Darby. Yeah. Darn it, I'm never going to live this down. We'll there try to you give won't. you at least that's, two that's days. Right. <laughs> well, thank you guys. So. Uh, please tell all the crew at Western United thanks for all they do. And um, yeah, have a great day. Absolutely. Thanks, Rich. Thanks again so much to Rich for joining us today. And hopefully uh, we get kids back in your classroom and dairy field reps back in the field soon. Next, we're going to move into, speaking of the field, uh, update from Rochelle of our Luceros Unidos de California program, who's going to give us an update on what to do when it comes to hiring new employees on your dairy. Take it away, Rochelle. Hi, my name is Rochelle, and I'm with Western United Dairies in Lancheros Unidos de California. Just to remind every dairy member, if you're looking to hire someone for your dairy, you can call us at the office at 209-527-6453 and ask for Rochelle, or you can email me at r-a-s-h-e-l-l at w-u-d-a-i-r-i-e-s dot com, because we all know that you are searching on your account as well. We're just here to give you a little push, and for the ones I already have reached out and are waiting to be placed an employee, I appreciate your patience. Just remember, you will be hiring in no time. Thank you, dairy members. Have a nice day. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Well, Darby, I think that was a really great episode today. Some good info for dairies and a little lightheartedness to take us into the weekend. Before we wrap up today, Darby, I thought it would be fun for you and I to give our listeners a probably, hopefully, much anticipated update on the field staff. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. So after a 210 day work from home phase, Western United staff will be back in the field starting next week. Melissa and I are really eager to start meeting with dairy producers face to face with some specific COVID-19 precautions in place. Yeah, so um, I don't typically, Derby, do a lot of cold calling um, at my stage in field rep life. Uh, I've been here 10 years and usually try to hook up with dairymen and make an appointment, but that's going to be a pretty strict um, rule that the company is going to have for the foreseeable future. All meetings are going to be pre-scheduled. We won't be doing any drop-ins or cold calls for at least the rest of this year and probably a little ways into 2020. Yep, and then meetings are going to be limited to one producer or producer family at a time, and we will be wearing masks and maintaining six feet of social distance as much as possible when meeting with our producers. We ask that producers do the same out of mutual respect for one another's potential health concerns. 
yeah, I'm going to have to dig into some fun masks. I've been wearing the boring blue ones, but if I'm going to be out and about as much. Um, and then one thing we want to really make clear, if um, any symptoms of COVID-19 pop up in any of our staff, or if we identify any positive um, COVID-19 close contacts, we are going to be quarantining for the appropriate 14-day period, and we may need to be modifying meeting schedules and just because of the nature of this illness, just be aware that could happen several times over the next few months until either vaccines are in place or, you know, infection rates go down in most areas. So we'll do the best we can. We are, of course, always available over the phone and Zoom, but for those in-person meetings, we may have to modify stuff. And we would ask that you do the same if you have any COVID-19 positive cases on your facilities. Um, I do have some health concerns using a lot of common sense to be safe going out into the field, but just want to minimize exposure as much as possible. And I'm sure Darby does as well. Yep. And if you'd like to schedule a visit with either of us, you can give us a call or send us an email. And we really do look forward to seeing you in the field soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to be leaving the house. Um, so looking forward to seeing some dairyman's faces. Um, a huge shout out this week to Annie, Anya, Rich Salachi, and of course, Rochelle for making this week's episode possible. Also, a major thanks to our sponsors, especially PG&E and Yosemite Farm Credit. If you would like information on sponsorship or how you can advertise on our podcast, please reach out to our office. That's info at wudairies.com. You can always give us a call, 209-527-6453. And remember to reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests. We um, have a, a Western United Seen and Heard email address. It's called wud.pod at gmail.com. I am, of course, M. Lima or just Melissa at wudairies.com. And I'm Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platforms. And have a great week, everybody.